Lord. Well, we are in, let's look in Ephesians chapter 6 and just read what the Bible says about parents and children very quickly as we get back into the lesson that we started this morning. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. It doesn't say because they're bigger than you or because they got the money. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That's God's reason why children should obey their parents because it's right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is a first commandment with promise. The first commandment that God gave that had a promise with it was obey or honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Then he says this, and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We said this morning that the, the primary purpose of Uh, Our primary goal is to teach our children to love the Lord God with all their heart, their soul, and their might. And that's what God wants us to do. And we're going to do that, we're only going to do that if we spend time with our children. If we bring them up, we work at bringing them up. I said this morning that you need to pray for your children every single day. We talked about that specifically. And then we said, number two, you need to play with your children. You need to play with your children. Today we're gonna, tonight we're gonna look at several more uh, important points. Number three, participate with your children in ministry. Participate with your children in ministry. Don't allow ministry to divide you from your children. Uh, we were, they, our children were involved. They were involved in everything we did. We didn't go anywhere without taking them with us. We were not going to leave our children in Las Vegas. I certainly wasn't going to leave them with my family. We made sure that they got involved where we were involved. Uh, they went uh, soul winning with us. All, every one of my children, as I said yesterday afternoon, every one of our children have watched me lead someone to Jesus Christ. They've learned to lead others to Christ by watching me lead others uh, to Christ. They've seen that, they've been involved in that, and they've seen the excitement of that. There's nothing greater than being able to lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. We went, we went and preached together. It wasn't that they went and preached, but they went and watched me preach several, <laughs> several years ago uh, when Faith, my, my second daughter, was uh, eight years old, uh, it was right around her birthday, and um, so I said, listen, I got an invitation from a college that used to be in, in uh, uh, California called Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College, PCBBC, uh, and uh, we were invited to come and preach there, but it was, it was Faith's birthday, and I said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to uh, the Bible college. I'm going to preach there. We'll be done by 11 o'clock, and and it was only 45 minutes away from Disneyland. And so what we're going to do is I'll preach there, and we're going to go right to Disneyland. And man, they were excited about that. That was going to be great. Uh, they're ready for it. I've got, we got there, uh, had chapel. Chapel was over. Well, after chapel, the president of the college got up and said, now, some of you might want to come and talk to Pastor Tice. Uh, he's going to be available right down here at the front. You might want him to have have them sign your Bible, you just want to, want to talk to them and get some input from them. And uh, my kids are sitting right back here in the back, and all they're thinking about, they don't care what I said, they don't, they don't listen to a thing, they're just excited about going to Disneyland. And I'm, I'm uh, I, I, afterwards, uh, according to the, the president of the college, I walked down here. Well, for some reason, that day, everybody uh, wanted to talk. 
I mean, there was a line from here to about twice as far as that wall. Kids are just standing in line. And my kids are back there thinking, what in the world is dad doing? Come on, it's time to go to Disneyland. Get your priorities right, buddy. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm sitting, I'm talking to people, shaking their hands, and I'm signing Bibles and, and, uh, and, and signing Bibles. And, and Matthew's looking at me and Joshua's looking at me. Pretty soon, Matt and Josh aren't going to come down because they know they're going to get in trouble. So they send Faith down. And Faith's a cute little blonde-haired girl. She comes down and she starts tugging at my coat. She's, she's tugging on my coat, and I'm like, come on, Dad, what are you, what's, the, what's the deal? And I, I said, hold on, Faith, hold on. And, uh, and I'm just talking and, and signing Bibles and, and talking, and, and, um, uh, and, and people are coming and going, and she's saying, Dad, we're going to go to Disneyland. Come on, it's my birthday. And then all of a sudden, she stops, and she looks at me, and then she looks at, 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 uh, at the crowd, and she, she, she puts her hands on her hips and said, what are you doing? Are you signing Bibles? What do you think you are, some big shot or something? And uh, so the crowd dissipated and we were able to go to Disneyland. Uh, but we, those kind of events took place oftentimes with us because we had our children with us and whatever we did, wherever we went. We went to dinner uh, together with preachers or missionaries. They always went with us. When we were eating, they were eating. My children grew up loving missionaries. My kids grew up loving to be around preachers and, and, and their heroes were preachers and so they naturally loved the ministry. When we went out, they went out with us. And, and it's so important that you don't allow ministry to divide you from your children, but that you let your children or get your children involved in ministry with you, and then it becomes a family event. Uh, once a month at, at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, we have family church-wide soul winning. Now they just call it Outreach Saturday. But we invite every family in the church to come. And then we have a great big breakfast. And then after breakfast, uh, after breakfast, uh, we have about a half hour to 45 minutes of eating. Then everybody gets together. And then we, we have families go out together and blitz uh, together so that people are involved in ministry together. So number three is participate with your children in ministry. Number four provoke your children to think provoke your children to think we had a lot of extended family that did things that were not uh, christian i mean we just had a lot of things that went on and being in las vegas we dealt with all sorts of sin uh, that that was just prevalent we had to deal with the with with sin and what was going on i i, I said this yesterday but i want to repeat it today that the Bible talks about every type of moral issue. The Bible talks about everything that's going on in the world today. There's nothing that's on the news uh, in the evenings, in the mornings. There's nothing on the radio. There's nothing in the movies that God didn't discuss in the Bible. He talked about all sorts of terrible things in the Bible. And so I figure if God is willing to talk about everything there is to talk about, then we ought to talk about those things. And I wanted to provoke our children to think about them. I wanted my, our children to know that uh, what was right and what was wrong. 
and I wanted them to understand that we don't do certain things because certain things are not beneficial. Uh, certain things are not going to help. Certain things are not going to be a benefit. So when somebody in the church got pregnant out of wedlock, uh, and, and, and they would come up and say, why? I thought that a man got married, a man and a woman got married, and then they had children. What happened? We would discuss, we would talk about those things. We didn't push things away and didn't act as well, hey, we'll talk, we're not going to talk about those things. We, we just made sure we wanted our children to think through them. You see, the world presents sin in a uh, present sin as something glamorous and something wonderful. The difference between the Bible, and I think I said this yesterday uh, while we were having a roundtable discussion, the, 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 the difference between the Bible and pornography is this. Pornography and the world glamorize sin. God shows the consequences of sin. And it's very important that we show the consequences of sin. Show your children the consequences of sin. Show them what happens when people choose to do the wrong thing. Show them what happens when somebody does something they shouldn't do. I had a missionary, uh, a missionary, uh, and his son were were at our, our our house, and we were very very close to this couple. They were he was a missionary down in Mexico, and uh, so they came to, to us, and our kids, we talked to them about gambling, and we talked about people that were sleeping in the streets because they lost everything at the gambling casinos, and we told them that the gambling casinos uh, were bad, and we told them, you don't put money in slot machines, and that's just wasting God's money. Well, these, this uh, missionary uh, from Mexico, they didn't have a lot of money at all, and they're, and, and, uh, but uh, he had given each one of his kids a quarter, and, they, and we were going to go down uh, and look at, at a store and be able to buy what we wanted to buy. This is probably many years ago, like about 35 years ago, and, uh, and so we were going downtown, and uh, Jeremy, uh, the, the, youngest, the youngest boy, or not the second of the youngest boy, I was walking through, we went walking, in, we went to a gas station. In Las Vegas, there's, there's slot machines in gas stations. And so we were in a gas station, we were getting some things, and all the kids were inside the gas station for some reason, and Jeremy walked by a slot machine. And he thought, whoa. Now, my kids walk by slot machines. They say, not me. Man, I'm not losing my quarter. I'm not losing my dime. I'm not losing my dollar. I'm not losing anything. In fact, one day we were walking through, we were getting a buffet at a place that had a casino. And as we were walking by, uh, by the, some lady that was gambling, terrible thing, uh, like some 60-year-old lady, and she's sitting there throwing her money away, Joshua stopped and said, wow, there goes your quarter, there goes your 50 cents, there goes your dollar, there goes your two dollars, and the lady got very irritated uh, with Joshua, so, uh, but uh, Jeremy walked by, and Jeremy thought, I'm going to do this, nobody's watching, he took his quarter, which was all he had, put it in the slot machine, and pulled the handle, and he watched it, click, 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 and it ate his quarter, and Jeremy never saw his quarter again. And when everybody else was out spending their money, he had nothing to spend. And he learned the consequences of disobedience. Show your children the consequences of sin. Don't hide it from them. Show them the consequences. Provoke your children to think about what is and what is not going on. 
Anna, did I tell the story, preacher, did I tell the story yesterday of my, my brother-in-law coming in and telling, me, telling about uh, gambling? Oh, okay, this is, this is great. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, uh, Rick, and I love my brother-in-law, but when we got married, <clears throat> we, 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 we told our family there were certain things you just don't do in our house. There were certain restrictions that you don't have in our house. You're not allowed to drink in our house. You're not allowed to smoke in our house. You're not allowed to, to use uh, foul language in our house. And for that reason, for the first two years that we got married, nobody came to our house. But, but they liked my children. And so my kids or my, 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 my family would come over. And one uncle, particularly Uncle Rick, would stop by oftentimes. And he couldn't stay long because he was so addicted to cigarettes that he could only stay for a little while and then he had to leave because he had to go outside and get in his car and smoke. And so he couldn't, uh, uh, cigarettes are a terribly addicting thing. And so, uh, so he, but he would come over and, and our kids loved him and we loved him. And, and so he came in one day and he said this, he said, he said, well, kids, he said, I got some money today that your dad will never get. And they said, really? Why? He said, well, I stopped by this. I, I, I stopped by this. Uh, place I stopped by every day on the way home from work and he said I took one quarter and I put it in a slot machine and it hit and he said I got a three thousand dollar jackpot my kids said wow three thousand dollars he said yeah and your dad will never ha that'll never happen to your dad because your dad doesn't gamble and I said oh and I'm sitting there thinking Lord help me to to answer this uh, situation and deal with this situation so I said to him I said I said, wow, Uncle Rick, that's amazing. I said, how often do you, how, how long have you worked where you worked? I can't remember if he said 10 or 15 years. I said, 10 or 15 years. I said, how often do you stop at that place on the way back from work? He said, oh, I stop there every day. I said, do you ever gamble there before? Yeah, I do it all the time. I said, oh, you've, you stopped there and you gambled every day for how many years? 10 to 15 years? Oh, yeah, well, well, every day. I said, oh, okay. And then I talked a little bit longer, and then Uncle Rick left. I said, let me explain something to, and I said this to my kids. I said, let me explain something to you. I said, first of all, let me ask you, would you like to have the kind of life that Uncle Rick has? And they said, no, we wouldn't want to have the kind of life that Uncle Rick has. And they knew the kind of life Uncle Rick had. I said, do you think they got a very happy home? No, they don't have a happy home at all. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, I said, he went by there and he said he stopped there every day, every day for 10 years and he's never won anything. I wonder how much money he's put in those machines over the last 10 years. And they got to talking. I said, let's just guess. Let's just guess he put $6,000 because he kept putting money in and kept putting money in and kept putting money in. And when people gamble, they just keep putting money in. They keep putting money in. They keep, because they keep thinking, oh, it's going to hit any time. It's going to hit any time. And it doesn't. He, uh, I, said, I said, just think, let's just guess that maybe he's put in about $6,000. I said, do you think it's good, that it's a good exchange to give $6,000 and only get $3,000 back? Well, my son Matthew's like a mathematician uh, in his brain. He said, Dad, that's horrible. And Joshua said, yeah, that's terrible. I said, that's what gambling does for you. It messes up your mind. I said, he spent $6,000, and of course I just made up that figure, but I said, he spent $6,000 and he gets $3,000 and he thinks he's doing good.
I said, that's not good at all, is it? And they learned a lesson. Show the consequences of sin. Number, number five, push consistency. Push consistency. We did at home what we did at church. We were faithful. We, we, uh, we did not put on a fake face to come to church. Now I know, and listen, all of us from time to time have had that time you're walking out the door and the baby, uh, you just all get, finally all getting ready and it's a last minute thing and things are crazy and, and, uh, and, and the baby does something that that baby should not have done right there and everything's all messed up and now you got stress and everybody's stressed out and everybody's finally trying to get things done and you get in the car and, and Susie is fighting with Johnny and you're saying, stop that, we're going to church to praise Jesus and you pull into the parking lot and everybody's frustrated and the pastor's there and, and he's there and he waves to you and you say, hey, <laughs> that kind of thing happens to all of us from time to time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being genuine, being real. Don't pretend you're something at church that you're not at home. Don't, don't, don't be the hypocrite. One thing that your children will hate more than anything is hypocrisy. Now, it is important that we teach them discretion. And there's a difference between hypocrisy and discretion. I would say to my children, I would say, look, uh, is it okay for dad to wear pajamas at home. Well, yeah, it's okay to wear pajamas at home. Should I wear pajamas when I preach? Well, no. Well, why? It's okay to wear pajamas at home. Well, yeah, but not when you preach, not when you go to church. You don't wear, you don't wear pajamas to church. Now, I know some people do nowadays, but uh, uh, so they're ruining my illustration. But, uh, but uh, the, the fact is they understood that. They understood discretion. They also understood, uh, and I think it's really important that our, under, that our children understand people have different preferences and there are different things that different people do. And it's important that we honor people's preferences and that we show people love by honoring other people's convictions. But, so discretion is very important, but it's in so, so important that we be, that we be genuine, that we be consistent because your children are not going to follow you if they think you're a hypocrite. I, um, I got a phone call one day um, from a nationally known preacher, a, a preacher who had a television ministry uh, across the country. In fact, it was beamed around the world. He called me up and he said to me, um, he said, hey, uh, Brother Tice, he said, I was wondering if I could fly into Las Vegas. He said, I'm, I'm flying from the East Coast. I'm flying to California. I am working on a doctorate degree out in, in California. And he said, um, he said, I'm flying out there to finish it up. And he said, I've always wanted to just stop by your church. And he said, I'd like to just talk to you and your two sons. Would, would that be possible? I said, well, that, yeah, that'd That'd be fine. I said, I don't know for sure whether I can get Joshua over here. He's pastoring his own church. I said, so I don't know whether it'd be possible for me to get him here, but Matthew's working here. I said, that, that would be fine. I said, do you want us to come and pick you up at the airport? He said, oh, no, no. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make arrangements to fly in to the Las Vegas airport. He said, I'll rent a car. I'll drive over to where you are. I won't need you more than an hour. And he said, and then after that, he said, I'll just go back, I'll take my car back, to turn it into the rental, and I'll fly out. I said, okay. 
Uh, so I said, what would you like to talk about? He said, well, I'd just rather just be there and talk when I get there. So I said, okay. So it was a very unusual situation. Uh, uh, a, a week went by, and he, came, he flew in. Matt, Joshua said he could come over, and Matt said he could come over. So I have a, I have a conference desk in my office, and they came, he, came, he drove up, and Matt and Josh were there, and I welcomed him in. I said, can I take you to lunch? He said, no, I really got to get back to the airport. He said, question. He said, really, I only have one question. I said, well, what's that? He said, well, he, he said, and it's really not for you. He said, I just want to ask them something, and I wanted to do this face-to-face. I said, okay. He said, he said, I want to know why in the world you two decided to follow your father into ministry. What made you want to be in ministry growing up in your father's house? And they looked at each other and without a, without, without a blink, they said, oh, that's easy. He's authentic. Now, I, at that moment, as one of the most humbling moments in my life, because I know my wickedness. I know who I am. I know my failures. I know that God knows me inside and out. And I thought, thank you, God, for covering for me. But I, I, as, I, as I stood there, I listened to them say, my dad is the same person at home as he is at church. He's the same person. He, he's just exactly who he is. He's never put on a fake face. I'm telling you, your kids want that in you. Be genuine. Be real. Do not, do not, or, or be, uh, be consistent in your life. And, and your kids will take that as genuineness and they'll follow you. Number six, prove your convictions. Prove your convictions. We did not say to our children, we don't do that just because. You don't because I said so, because I said so. Now, there may be a time where you need to say because I said so, but uh, I think it's so important that we answer our children when they ask us why. When they want to know why we believe what we believe, it's not just, bless God, the Apostle Paul did it that way, and that's the way I do it. We need to answer the questions. Do you, do you realize in James chapter 1 and verse 5, God says, James says this, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And he's talking about going through trials. He's saying, listen, the trials, trials of your faith work patience. And then he, he goes on about that. And then he says, listen, if you lack wisdom, if you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through, God's willing for you to come and ask him, why is this happening? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and abradeth not. He'll give you the answer. So if, he's a, if we're allowed to ask him why, then why shouldn't our children be able to come to us and say why? Why don't we go to those movies? Why don't we watch that on TV? Why don't we say those words? My granddaughter came home one day from our Christian school and said probably the worst word that you could think of saying uh, that she, uh, and she said, Daddy, what does blank mean? And, and Matt was just shocked. He said, where did you learn that? Oh, at school. <laughs> That's great. Uh, we have them in a Christian school to protect them and they're asking the questions. And so, so um, as she said, he said, well, let me explain to you. And he sat down and explained to her 
what the word was talking about in in areas she was only five or six years old so he couldn't go into detail about it but he he said and it's a way it's a vulgar way of of talking about something that God doesn't want us to think of as vulgar and he went he went into detail explaining it look when your children have questions answer those questions I can remember uh, years ago, back in the 90s, I believe it was, it became a popular thing for guys to take the, their, their pant cuffs like this and sort of cuff them around and turn them around and so that your pants became somewhat like balloon pants. And they, they were that way on both sides and then the girls did exactly the same thing. And it was like a popular fad. Do you remember, you, or you were in Uganda. Uh, so, so yeah, okay, so uh, anyway, it was a popular thing. It was like a, a fad that, that they were doing. And I thought it was so effeminate looking. I thought it was terrible. And uh, I, I said to myself, there was nothing immoral about it. I just didn't think it was appropriate. And so I, Matthew started doing it one day. I said, no, you, Matt, I don't want you to wear your pants that way. Well, why? Everybody's doing it. I said, I don't care. I don't want you to do it. Was it immodest? I said, I don't want you to do that. And uh, he said, okay. So we're driving down this road, just him and me in, in the car one day. And he says to me, Dad, can you tell me why you don't want me to wear my pants like that? And so I said, okay, I've got like 15 or 20 minutes. I'm going down this long road out in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to just, I'm going to talk to him. So I said, I said, let me start. And I went all the way back to the 1960s. And I talked about the unisex movement and how, how there was, there were people, uh, there, there was a cultural revolution and, and, and that people were trying, social engineers were trying to change the way we think about things. And that we were, and that uh, they, they were trying to take away masculinity and take away femininity and have us all blend in. And I went through this whole explanation for about 10 minutes, maybe, maybe 15 minutes. I, I went through it and I said, and so for that reason, I said, there's all these trends, these fads in our, in our dress, in our dress today that is trying to make boys and girls wear the same thing. And I just don't want you to do that because I don't want you to be part of that. I said, do you understand that? And he looked at me and he said, no, I don't, I don't understand. And I thought, I'm not going through the explanation again. I said, well, let me ask you a question. You don't understand. But I said, are you going to wear your pants like that when I'm not around? He said, no. And I said, why? He said, because obviously you have a reason. And he said, you are, God gave you to me to protect me so when I don't understand, when I don't understand something, it'll protect me if I just obey you and then later on I'll understand it. I said, that's a better explanation than what I have. <laughs> but here was the deal. The point is this. He, we took time to prove our convictions to our children. We wanted our children to know that we just didn't say things to make their life miserable. Prove your convictions. Then, number seven, personally apologize. Personally apologize. You know, this may shock you, but parents are not perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's no such thing as, a perfect, as perfect parents. You will do things wrong. You will make mistakes. You will give, you will, you will though you try to be consistent, you will be at times inconsistent. You will at times say and do something that they will see as wrong 
and you need to, when you've done something wrong, you need to personally apologize. Um, when, uh, years ago, when I was growing up, uh, my wife says that, my, that, uh, that TV was my babysitter. And when I grew up, while I was growing up back in the 1960s, I, a, there was a, uh, a TV show called Superman, and Superman was on uh, every day in the afternoon. I loved Superman. I had Superman comic books, and, I, and he was a, little, a lot different than he is today. But uh, in the 1970s, there was these Superman movies that came out, and, and then up into the 80s and 90s, this, the, super, the last of the Superman movies came out, and it was called Superman 4. It came out on VHS so we could watch it in our home, and so I was, I was gonna, I was gonna get that eventually, and something happened. My, we had a big ladies activity at our church one day, and all of the, all uh, that meant that all the ladies were gonna be gone all day long, and my wife was in charge of that ladies uh, fellowship at the church, and so she was going to be gone all, all, all day. Well, when I'm, when. When she's gone all day and I'm in charge of the kids, it's party time. So I determined that we were going to get we were going to get pizza. We were going to make popcorn, and all we were going to do all day is play. And one of the things we were going to do is we were going to get this Superman movie, and we were going to watch Superman together in our house. This was going to be a great time, a fun, and and it was going to be great. So. That Saturday came, and my wife got up and kissed me goodbye. She left at about 7 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> and when she went out the door, I was just doing some things around the house, and I went into, my, I went into the bathroom that's downstairs, and when I went into the bathroom, I saw something that really caused me some distress. Years before, when, when Joshua was about 18 months old, uh, he got very, very sick. We did not know what was wrong with him. We didn't have insurance. We did have a doctor who liked us and, and was helpful to us. And we took him to the doctor, and, we, and he, was, I mean, he, he was losing weight, and he would have died. We found out he was highly allergic to milk and sugar. And, uh, uh, and we had to stop giving him milk, and we had to make sure he never had ice cream, he never had any kind of sugar products, uh, but particularly milk. And the doctor said to, to us, listen, because he can't have milk, you need to supplement him with calcium pills, and he needs to have calcium pills every single day and make sure he has them. So we thought, well, if it's good for Joshua, it's going to be good for Matthew, Joshua, Charity, and Faith. All of them should have these vitamins, and so we're going to make sure that we put them out. So every day we would put out calcium pills. Now, calcium pills, if you've never had them, they're about this big around. They come in cherry flavor, and they come in citrus flavor. So it's cherry-flavored chalk or citrus-flavored chalk. But either way, they're horrible. And they're always chewable, and you put them in your mouth, and you chew them up, and you hate them. Well, my kids hated taking these things. And for that reason, we would find, uh, we would find calcium pills uh, underneath pillows. We would find them in corners. We would find them under the trash. We'd find them in the trash. We'd find them everywhere. One day, I was sitting at the... I was sitting uh, at the table, and the dog came out from underneath the table going, 
she didn't like them either. And so, uh, so uh, I mean, it was, was this constant battle about calcium pills. Well, I walked into the bathroom. When I walked into the bathroom that morning, there was an empty bottle of calcium. And I looked into the toilet. Somebody had taken that bottle of calcium, an entire bottle, and dumped it into the toilet. And I thought, that's enough. This is not happening. I can't believe that. That's costing me money. And so I, I went out to the living room and I said, Matt, Josh, Charity, uh, Faith, come down here. So they all come downstairs and they're all excited because this is going to be the play day, right? And I said, I've got to tell you something. I said, I went into the bathroom this morning and I'm looking at all of them. I said, I, I went into the bathroom this morning and there were, uh, I, and when I, when I went in there, I found this empty calcium bottle. I said, somebody took this calcium and poured it in the toilet, and I want to know which one of you did that. Matt said, I didn't do it. Joshua said, I didn't do it this time. And uh, <clears throat> Charity said, I didn't do it. Faith was just four years old or so, and she said, I don't know. she didn't even know what was going on. And I said, I said, it wasn't Faith. Okay, so which of you three did it? Nobody would admit to it. Now, typically... When I confronted my kids, they would do things, but when I confronted them, they would confess. You know, I'd get, they'd start crying and, and, and they'd confess. But this, there was, no, 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 we didn't do it, we didn't do it, we didn't do it. I said, oh, man, I don't know what to do. I said, I can't just let this go by. Somebody's going to get a spanking for this. And, um, uh, and I, I'm not going to spank all of you. So what I want you to do is you go upstairs. You just go upstairs and you, you tr figure out who did this and then you come down when you're ready to confess. You come down and we can have the day. If not, you're just going to be upstairs all day long. So they turned around, they left, and they went upstairs. I found out years later that Charity and Matthew spent about a half an hour trying to convince Josh he ought to confess whether he did it or not, because <laughs> Dad already thinks you did it. But uh, nevertheless, at that point, I'm sitting there, and an hour goes by and nothing happens. Two hours go by, three hours go by, and I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world? Where, where's, the, uh, where's the response? And, uh, and, and at about 12 o'clock, my wife comes in the door. I said, what's going on? She said, oh, I had to come back because of, uh, uh, to get something I forgot. And I, she said, where's the kids? What's, where's, what's going on? I said, I said, you're not going to believe what your children did. <laughs> and they, they, she said, what? I said, I, I took the calcium bottle and I said, one of them took this calcium bottle and emptied the entire pill box into the toilet. She said, oh, David. I said, what? She said, you found that in the downstairs bathroom? I said, yeah. She said, David, I was cleaning out the cupboards yesterday. And she said, I went, I reached way back in the cupboards. And that's a bottle was like three years old or four years old. It was out of date. And I thought, oh, this is no good. And so I dumped it out. I said, you dumped out the calcium? She said, yes. So I spanked her. No, no, I, I didn't do that. I thought, oh no, I have really blown it. I have really, wh what am I going to do? So I thought about it for a minute and I just said, I said, Matt, Josh, Charity, come down here. Faith, come down here. It was like they were standing at the top of the stairs waiting and they all came down. I said, uh, I said listen, I got to, actually got down on my knees and I said, I, I want to look at you and I want to tell you something. I, I accused you of lying to me. 
mom just came home and told me that she's the one that poured that down the toilet and that they were no good. And you told me the truth, Matt. You told me the truth, Josh. You told me the truth, Charity. You told me the truth. And I called you a liar by, by not believing you. And I said, I just want to ask you to forgive me for that. And you know what they did? They said, really? I said, yeah. And they said, yeah, we forgive you. And they gave me hugs. And then they said, can we watch the movie now? And can we, can we do pizza? And, uh, and, and they just totally and completely forgave instantly. I want you to understand that when you are genuine with your kids and you apologize for the wrong that you do, it doesn't discredit you as a, as a parent. It elevates you in the eyes of your parents. It gives you authority. It doesn't take away your authority. It gives you greater authority. So personally apologize when you've done wrong. Yesterday I talked about discipline, and so I'm not going to go into the next one in detail. Parent, don't pander, don't coddle your children. That is, they need discipline. Uh, the Bible says this, if you're filling in notes, uh, it, that to, we're to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The word nurture means chastisement. It, it, it's translated chastisement in Hebrews chapter 12. It means to correct them with discipline. And then you need to understand that proper discipline, proper spanking is not abuse. We talked about that yesterday, so I'm not going to go into that again tonight. But, and, but, and then he says with admonition. Admonition means instruction, giving them right instruction. So when you discipline your children, you need to instruct them and talk them through that. And again, we talked about that in detail in the question and answer sessions yesterday. Number nine is very, very important. Partner together with your spouse. Put on a united front. Do not, do not have an argument with your, with your spouse about what you should and shouldn't do in front of your children. You're going to have disagreements. Don't do that in front of your children. Make sure that if you have disagreements, you talk about them, and then, and then you compromise on whatever. That's not a horrible word between a husband and wife. Compromise, and then you have a united front when you're talking to your children. We just agreed that there were some things we were going to disagree on, but we were going to handle them together, come up with a solution, and then, uh, and then taught, we taught our children outwardly what, was, uh, what we had agreed on. Let me give you for an example. My wife's mother was very, very, uh, my wife's mother guarded her very, very much. They lived out in the country. They weren't allowed at all uh, to watch TV. In fact, they didn't have TV reception in the valley that they lived in, uh, in Pennsylvania. My, my, uh, my mother-in-law was very educated. She was a very intelligent lady, and she didn't want her kids' minds messed up with the garbage that's on television. On the other hand, there was me. I was raised and babysat by, by cartoons. I watched cartoons of all kinds. Um, and so uh, when I grew up, I mean, I thought I watched the Roadrunner, and, and in fact, I always wanted I, I just waited for the time the coyote would finally catch the roadrunner uh, and eat that roadrunner. I, I hated the beep beep, if, if you know what I'm talking about. So uh, the, uh, uh, that was my mindset. So when we had children, 
and the children wanted to watch cartoons. I thought, hey, no problem. But my wife said, honey, I don't want them to, they, they, they don't, their minds don't need to be down there. I mean, they, they need, she was interested in their education and their well-being. And I thought, man, it's, this is just fun. So we came to a conclusion. We talked about it. We didn't argue about it in front of the kids. The kids said, can we watch cartoons? And we said, uh, we just talked about it by ourselves. And, and we came up with this conclusion that the children could not watch cartoons at all unless their dad was present, which was fine with me. And so uh, that's what we did. We, we, we compromised on that together. We agreed. So the kids thought all of, our, of their lives that that was just something we both believed. And, and uh, we wanted to be united in front of the kids. That's a simple little illustration, but I, I think it's so important that you partner together with your spouse, that you sit down and talk about what you think should be done and you shouldn't be done in the areas of discipline, in the areas of standards. Do that by yourself alone and then present them to the children. Number 10 is push instant obedience. You can just write that down. That's so important. This is so important, and I wanted to make sure I got to this, and that's number 11. Pull your children away from other children they do not do well with. I want you to say this with me. Our children do not do well together. Let's say that together. Our children do not do well together, or our children are not doing well together. That's a very important statement. That's a whole lot better statement than your child's a bad influence on my child and they're not going to play together anymore. Uh, there, are, there, there are church splits over your kids influencing my kid. And your, your kids, your, why in the world do you let your kids do things like that? Look, here's a simple statement that is not accusatory. It doesn't blame anybody. It just says our children are not doing well together. You're saying, hey, they're not influencing each other. They're not influencing each other to do the right things, and probably they shouldn't be playing together uh, until that works out or until that changes. Uh, and that's, that's not a horrible thing. You're just saying, obviously, they're, they're a bad influence on each other, so they shouldn't be together, and you're not, you're not condemning somebody else's children. You're saying your children are in, it's just in the same situation. I, my, my son Joshua uh, and, and his friend Freddie uh, were out in front of our house one day, and they were about 11 years old, maybe 8 or 9 years old, and uh, was that right? Probably maybe 10 years old. And I, I walked out in the front of my house. Now, their mother was a good friend of ours. And, and uh, we, uh, we, I loved Freddie. Uh, I, I, I mean, Freddie was like one of my kids. And, and, but uh, I found them out in my front yard. And what they were doing was making a bomb. Uh, and uh, this is not a good thing. You understand that? This is not a good thing. Even in Las Vegas, it's not good. They were, they were, they were, they were using aerosol spray. Somebody talked to them about making aerosol spray, putting it in a glass container, and then lighting it. This was a good thing, they thought, and it was cool looking uh, until it blew up somebody's face. It was a really not a good thing, and they would do things like this together. They, would just, they were both very, very ingenious about finding things that were destructive. Uh, and they weren't like maliciously mean, but they just weren't a good influence on each other. And so we decided that 
our children don't do well together and we kept them apart. Now, the, the, for the last 19 years, uh, or at least, I'm sorry, the last 18 years, they have been pastor and co-pastor of the same church in Las Vegas, Nevada. And they've gotten rid of the bombs and stuff, and uh, they're, they're doing very well. But there was a time where we had to say, our children are not doing well together. And I just want to encourage you, if your children are not doing well with other children, pull them away. And I say that even to the point where if that offends somebody else. Somebody says, what if I do that and it offends somebody? I would rather have somebody offended than to have my children do the wrong thing and be in a situation where they're influenced bad. My kids have got to be the most important thing in the world to my wife and I. Pull your children away. Number 12 is pa practice positive replacement. I won't go into that, but if you take something negative away, make sure you bring something positive to replace it. And lastly, Pursue your children's hearts. Let your children know that they are more important to you than anything else in the world. Let them know that. Let them know that you care about them, that, that you'll drop everything for them, that, you'll, you'll just, you, that you love them. I'll tell you what, they'll put up with all your faults, they'll put up with all your failures, they'll put up with all your, with all your mistakes if they know you genuinely love them and if you're pursuing their hearts. Pursue your children's hearts. Run after them. God run at, ran after you. Uh, my, my kids, if they called me today, I will, I will drop what I, I'm, I'm doing in order to spend time talking to my children. We came home one evening. My wife and I had been on about a two or three week trip. We were exhausted. We came home and um, uh, after this trip, and it was only like six o'clock at night, but we were exhausted. We didn't want anybody to know we were home. We just wanted to go home, uh, get in bed. We, we didn't even unpack. We brought this stuff in the house, stuck in the living room, just took, uh, we're taking clothes off, getting in bed, crawling in bed, and literally, I was reaching over to, to pull the string to turn off the light next to my bed and go to sleep, and right as I did that, the phone rang. When the phone rang, my wife picked it up. It was one of our kids. And she said, hello. And, and Faith said, oh, mom, you're home. We thought you might be home. Would it be okay if we just stopped by for a little while? We've missed you so much. We really want to stop in and see you. And my wife said, yes, we would love to see you. It would be great. Just come over. And so they came over and Anna said, Oh, come on. So I got up and I put clothes back on and, I'm, and I went over to the front door and when the kids, the grandkids came in, I was down on my knees and they came in and I, and I scared them and jumped on, jumped on them and then we, we ran around and I, I played underneath the, uh, the table and we, we played trains and, and hide and seek and all sorts of dumb stuff. Uh, we did all this stuff and we, we, we talked for, uh, I think maybe an hour and a half or two hours and then they said, they said, oh, well, we've got to go. I said, oh, do you have to go that quick? And they said, yeah. And they left. They walked out the door, and we died. <laughs> you said, why did you do that? Because I want my kids to know they're more important to me than anything else in the world. And uh, <laughs> Faith heard me. Faith listened to me give this illustration. She said, Dad, I'm never coming to your house ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is the... Uh, we want our children to know we love them. Pursue your children's hearts. 
God wants us to understand that this is, there's nobody in the world that you'll influence more for the cause of Christ than your children. Teach them to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their might. Father, I pray that you'll help us just as parents to take the truth that we've heard here. Help us to apply it to our lives, that we might be what you want us to be. And Father, just recommit to these principles. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask a question. I've not talked about knowing for sure you're going to heaven. But do you know that? Is there a time in your life where you personally came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you are God. I know that you died to pay for my sins, that you were buried and rose from the dead for me. Is there a time you asked Jesus to save you? You see, you don't get to heaven by being good. You don't get to heaven by, by doing good works. You don't get to heaven by going to church. You don't get to heaven by being baptized. The only way to get to heaven is by admitting to Jesus you're a sinner and asking him to give you eternal life. And Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I'll in no wise cast you out. Is there a time that you know that you've called on Jesus? Do you remember a time where you personally asked Jesus to save you? You may not remember the day or the hour, but you'll never forget the event. Do you remember when you asked Jesus to give you eternal life? If you know that, if you've done that, would you slip up your hand as a testimony to that? I know for sure I'm going to heaven. I've, I've done that. I've called on Jesus. Okay, you can put your hands down. I think everybody in the auditorium did that, but if you didn't right now where you're seated, you can ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior and God. You can simply say to him, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that you are God. I know that you died to pay the penalty of my sin. I believe you were buried and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And right now, Jesus, I receive what you did for me. If you've never done that, do that tonight because Jesus wants you in heaven as much as you'll want to be in heaven. Christian parent, would you just say, Lord, help me to take this truth? Maybe husbands, wives, would you just say, Lord, help me to be the kind of family member you want me to be? Would you make that commitment to God tonight? Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of sharing truth. I pray, Father, that, that you'd help us now to make commitments to that truth. I pray, Father, that, that we would just be what you want us to be, commit to be the husbands, the wives, the fathers, the mothers, the children, the grandparents. God, you want us to be. May lives be committed to you. May we have the kind of families that honor you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, the piano is going to begin to play. Maybe there's something that you need to talk to the Lord about. The pastor's going to come. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. Maybe you just, where you are, just say, Lord, help me. Help me to be what you want me to be. Would you make those commitments to God? There's no perfect parent. There's no perfect teenager. There's no perfect young person. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect wife. But we need to make commitments. When God teaches us about things in our life, we need to commit to those things and say, God, I'm determined I'm going to do these things. God, fill me, control me, that I might be what you want me to be. Would you make those commitments to God tonight?